Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I'm here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. All right, let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. My name is Elisa and today is Wednesday, September the 29th, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing podcast all about setting high quality goals and what they really look like. So recently I pulled 100 and excuse me, 250 members of my email list. So if you received this poll, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the number one answer on this poll was that people thought that in order to be successful and feel good in their lives, they needed to achieve all of their goals all of the time. Now, the problem isn't always achieving goals. It's whether or not you are trapped in the perfectionist cycle of death or in the idea that if you miss reaching your goal, you're a failure or if you've lost trust in yourself because the goals you reach have not brought you the success that you had hoped for. So in this episode, we're going to break all of that down, all of it. This is actually the first time I have ever talked about goal setting basically ever on the show. So why now? Well, (laughs) goal setting, I actually feel is one of my expertise as a high performance coach, um, working with provincial and national teams all over the world and to, to coaching women now. And I was actually in this masterclass not too long ago with Michelle Wolf, who uh, is uh, with the Move Collective. Actually, if you're on my email list, you were also invited to this for free. It was a free masterclass for anyone that listens to the show because Michelle is awesome and gave a bunch of Elisa Unfiltered listeners a free invite. Anyways, on this call, the theme was all around goal setting and how we get in our own way and why goals matter. So ever since that masterclass, I've really been thinking about goals and how I've been working with goals and how they have improved or, I don't know, been the demise of people's lives for years and years that I have worked with. So it's been stewing for a few weeks and I think now is just the perfect time. Now, in that masterclass, I was asked to speak And I was a little bit caught off guard because I hadn't really compiled all of my thoughts at that point. But the first thing that came to mind was that I have a serious love-hate relationship with goal setting. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's, It's quite polarized for me and I'll tell you why. As a high performance coach for 12 years, I have conducted thousands of goal setting meetings. I'm talking thousands. I've tracked progress, checked in, and implemented so, so, so many strategies to help athletes achieve their goals in very, with various methodologies, ideologies, uh, all, all encompassing. Like I've done literally thousands of these. Now, for the most part, there are three main types of goals, and I want to get into this because I really believe that understanding what type of goal you're setting is going to help you achieve it or not achieve it. And we're going to break all of this down. I'll I'll get into this. And I mean, when I say the name of the goal, it's going to sound pretty self-explanatory, but let's dissect them a little bit deeper today. So the two most popular goals, uh, and I'm speaking uh, by personal experience, but I'm pretty sure Google, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is an actual, these are actual terms for the goals, are performance goals. That's number one. So goals based on some sort of standard and can include things like aiming to achieve a 3.5 GPA or running a marathon in under four hours, things like that. And outcome goals 
which are goals based on winning or the concept of achieving greatness, whatever um, you feel is is the win. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily mean coming first all of this, all of the time. It could mean um, things like getting a, the promotion or achieving your goal weight. Weight loss is an outcome goal. Other outcome goals can be improving your health or your skin or growing your hair out, like things like that is like an outcome of doing something, okay? Now the problem with outcome goals, now there, there really isn't any problem, but this is just something that I've observed. And maybe I should say the main difference between the two, so performance and outcome, is that outcome goals are very difficult to control because of other outside influences. So someone else will be fighting for that promotion or might be fighting, or the person giving that promotion might be having the worst day of their lives or grieving a loss or something's happening in their life so they're not seeing clearly, even though you've done all of the things, right? Or um, in the weight loss side, you uh, have food sensitivities, or you get injured and aren't allowed to, or aren't able to do as much movement. So, and then again, if you're like focusing on improving your health, for example, that's your outcome goal. You want better, I don't know, blood test metrics or something. Things that could influence that, that are out of your control are things like your environment, the environment in which you live, the food quality, the water quality, things like privilege really come into play when it comes to our outcome goals. So when it comes to both of these, however, there is actually a lot in common as well. And they basically work hand in hand. These are the types of goal settings that you do for example, when you walk into the gym for the first time and you sit down with your trainer. So how many people out there have done this before? They've paid money, they've gone to a gym, they've signed up for a program, be it weight loss or fitness. Okay, now one of the first questions that people, that a trainer will ask in your goal setting meeting would be like, what is your goal weight? How many times are you going to work out in a week? You know, what can you, what's the maximum or the minimum? You set like a standard right there. What skills do you want to improve? I don't know, maybe you want to do a pull-up or squat a million pounds or whatever it is. How many inches do you want to lose or gain? You know, and some some fitness trainers disguise the whole weight loss goal in the, the sizing goal instead. So it's still like an outcome. You want to shrink your body to a certain size or sometimes grow your body, be it your bicep size or, I don't know, your calf size. (laughs) And then lastly, uh, they sneak in things like BMI, so your body mass index. So what is your fat ratio, (laughs) for lack of a better, I don't know, explanation? How much fat do you want to lose off your body and replace it with lean muscle mass? So these are the types of goals that you set at the beginning and you're probably sitting there and you're like, well, I don't know, I wanna lose 30 pounds and feel sexy or something. Like you want to, you're, you're trying to figure out, oh yeah, pull-up sounds good. And they kind of like structure a plan around that. And you're like, oh man, four days a week doing this for an hour every day, committee and things. Okay, so, so <laughs> you're working towards an outcome by, I don't know, ticking boxes, that the trainer sets for you. Okay, does that make sense? Is everyone following me? So those are outcomes that you achieve through performance. Now these goals are great. And you know what? I, I honestly think that they're they're necessary in many situations. However, these are the ones that I find really fuck with your mindset. They fuck with your life. Excuse my language, but like Outcome and uh, performance goals are the ones that, should you not achieve them? Like, what if you don't achieve that goal? What is your, what if your trainer has no idea what they're talking about and isn't helping? What if you fail? What if everyone, what is everyone gonna think of you, you know? Outcome and performance goals, they carry something called expectation. They also carry conditions and obligations, all of which, all those things, so expectation, condition, and obligation, all of which are um, 
are stemming from fear. All right. It's it. They all carry this emotional feeling and standard that stems around fear. Fear of what? Well, that's up to you to observe and decide inside of your body. Right. I can name a few failure, not being successful enough, not being worthy enough, not being able to do it, abandoning yourself, self abandonment, abandonment in general. You know, so many things happen when we set goals that stem from fear. Instead of accepting who we are and loving who we are and creating goals that are stemming from our worth and our, our, our confidence and building health, a healthy relationship between ourselves and the thing that we want, it, it's, really, it's a really different vibration than stemming it out of like expectation. And we all have felt that before. So I, I think I want to tell you the, the third type of goal which I'm sure you are all <laughs> just dying to know what this is. <laughs> it's uh, it's sort of like a breath of fresh air in my world. The It's the one type of goal that is overlooked by diet culture and hustle culture. So we're talking about how we look and how we move and how we relate and our careers and such uh, within the hustle culture. And it's actually the one type of goal that took my particular group of athletes, the team that I worked with for, I don't know, I think I was with this specific team for about seven years altogether, from the worst group of athletes in the country to not only the best team, but the most sought after team in Canada to be on. So we went from the very worst to the best by focusing on this one type of goal. The third type of goal is a process goal. So process goals are specific actions or like processes of performing. They look like um, I'll spend two hours studying after dinner. All right. I'll wake up and chug a glass of water. I'll pay attention to the way my body feels and make choices around that. All right, you see, process goals are 100% controllable by the individual setting them. In other words, you make choices throughout your day. You end up staying more in the moment and focus on the process of getting from A to B. You know that saying, it's not about the destination, but the journey. This is what that is. This is literally like, if you want to just keep stay super um, superficial, you can... You can just say those words. It's not about the destination, but the journey. And then when you set your goal, you completely go outcome. And if you don't achieve that outcome, you haven't learned anything on your journey. That's what happens to most people. They say, oh yeah, it's all about the journey, but they really don't actually set goals within the journey that help you to expand and grow and learn. And maybe your outcome will change. Maybe you don't actually want that thing you sought after, but you're so in line with who you are and and involved in the process and feeling so much more confident because you're achieving these goals that that, you know, that's that's great that you're happy, you're in alignment with yourself. So the journey is where all of the magic, whether you're aware of it or not, happens. Now, yes, process goals, performance goals, and outcome goals all have a linear relationship. So what does that mean? Well, this is important to understand because if you achieve your process goals, you give yourself the chance of achieving your performance goals. And if you achieve your performance goals, you give yourself a better chance of achieving your outcome goals. Get it? But as you move through the process, you will get to know yourself at a much deeper, more intimate level. And all of the performance and outcomes might change for the better for you. So they all work hand in hand. However, the problem or one of the problems that I have observed is that 99.99999% of the time when a person is new to goal setting, they pick outcome goals and then are misguided, unsupported, uneducated, or external forces in their life gets in the way, and meeting that goal becomes very difficult, right? Now, 
I want to veer away from this for just a minute, but I'm going to come back to it because it's super important. I will come back to this. I want to just uh, come back to that love-hate relationship with goals that I talked about a little bit earlier because I have literally seen outcome goals, which is what I said 99.9% of the time people make. I've literally seen outcome goals dismantle someone's identity, break hearts, shatter confidence, create unbearable negative self-talk, etc. And I have seen them create an abundance of joy, give structure, help create routine, create inner, like pull up inner passions that have been buried, um, set direction in your life. And, and this is big, and arguably the reason why I love goals so much, because like I said, I have a love-hate relationship. Now this is, I guess, goals in general will do this, all three types of goals, um, is that they build confidence and trust within your mind and body. All right, so setting goals and reaching them builds confidence, period. Now, whether you're aware of it or not, your confidence and your self-esteem, so the way that you feel about yourself, is primarily built on accomplishment, things that you've accomplished in your life and how you've accomplished them. All right, now I want to use the example of workplace because actually last week on my Instagram, I asked... Uh, my following where the question was something like, where do you struggle most with confidence as it relates to other people's opinion of you? So I was thinking, I was, I phrased it a little bit different, but there was two choices. The first choice was I struggle with the physical appearance and the second was the career. Now, an overwhelming number of you voted career and I actually got, it actually got 53% of the vote, which to me seemed a little bit shocking. I, um, I thought it would be more a physical appearance, to be honest. So let's use the example of an employee working up the ladder for a promotion. All right. Let's just say you have the outcome goal of becoming, I don't know, like the director of a department, the director of, I don't know, finance, whatever. Um, And you work for this company. And by the time the job is available, you would have a pretty good idea or, or someone's up for promotion. You would have a very good idea of whether or not you would be considered, right? Like, would you think that? I mean, if you're one of like an entry level position, you probably wouldn't have the confidence that you're going to get this job if you applied, right? So how confident would you be with a promotion is directly reflected by the goals you hit as you climb that ladder, right? So every time you hit a target or a goal within your work, you will feel as though you've literally climbed up the company or like have a tick or a a, a rung on the ladder, a new one. And every time you miss a target or a goal, you'll probably feel some sort of failure, almost as though you have like a demerit on your ladder, like, oops, that run is broken, maybe don't climb there, all right? And if, you haven't done all the work to become the director, then why would you have the confidence in getting the job? Right? You probably wouldn't. There would be some doubt there because you haven't hit all the metrics, right? So let's use the example of athletes. Let's use freestyle skiing, right? That's my background. So athletes that fly down a mountain and do flips and spins and acrobatic skill that literally seems like impossible to most people, Those athletes don't start there. They start with basics. They had to learn actually how to ski first, just like turning on the snow, going out, having fun, learning that they loved to ski first, right? Then little by little, they achieved goals that built confidence in their ability. Now, if they didn't build the skill, what happens is they just kind of fizzle away. And there's many reasons why and how that happens. I mean, there would ultimately be a ceiling to their ability to progress in this particular sport safely, all right? They wouldn't progress to the higher team with the stronger coaches and the more competitive events. They wouldn't be exposed to more pressure 
from other athletes and higher level competitions to push them. And then the domino effect to greatness would just not be put into play because they wouldn't be like climbing the ladder of, of the athlete pathway. All right. Just like your career pathway. There's sort of like a pathway to get from A to B in most cases. Um, and, and so if you miss some opportunity, what happens with outcome goals is people think, well, I'm done. I'll never get it now. And so they kind of quit and they kind of develop this complex of self-sabotage or abandonment and they don't feel good enough. So their self-esteem is really affected, right? So not meeting meeting goals really affects your self-esteem and your confidence and your ability to believe in yourself. Now, all of the things that I just mentioned there, there's actually a lot of <laughs> external and internal factors at play. So in other words, things that you can control and things that you can't control, right? And a skill that I believe must be taught in the realm of goal setting is the ability to cope with failure. It must be taught. So when you're sitting down with your trainer and they don't give you options for when you don't meet those goals or give you a scale or give you um, a scale, meaning like a sliding scale of, uh, of process oriented goals, which have to include all things, not just in the gym or diet, diet or exercise. It has to include all things, lifestyle goals. Okay. That's the process of doing this. Then as you're moving through reaching these goals or not reaching them, you have the ability to keep moving forward despite the outcome. So you can continue to work on the process without thinking about the outcome. Okay. So the ability to recognize when there are factors in play that are within your control or out of your control. Hmm. What do you think of that? The ability to recognize when there are factors at play that are in your control and out of your control. It's a pretty powerful statement. So back on that mastermind with the Move Collective, when I was asked about goal setting, my personal response was that goals are great. There's nothing wrong with goals. I think they're important to lay them out to get an idea of what you want in your life, what you desire, all right? Then... Think and talk about the processes of making massive imperfect action to achieve those goals. It's the massive imperfect action that it should be highlighted within all of the goals. That's my personal opinion. And focus 90% of your time on the process alone. Focusing on the process is a strategy that most champions in the world have adapted to. All right. When, when you, like, for example, when, when all you think about is winning, you miss almost everything. A lot of, a lot of athletes, um, you know, like think about like Super Bowl athletes. They want to win. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's not about not wanting to win. You want to win or you want to achieve your goal. But if the quarterback isn't focused on the feeling in his body and doing each play one at a time, focusing on the ball field, the grip in his hand, holding the ball, using his body and force to throw the pass, you know, those are the things that are going to win, help him win. It's not about winning. It's about staying in the moment and getting and, and hitting all of the little things that are required to reach that goal. And when you decide to walk into a gym and hire a trainer with the goal of losing 30 pounds. The reason that you have such a high failure rate is because you'll only be focusing on the outcome. It's the way we're trained to think about goals. You know, your sense of accomplishment and confidence will be built on whether or not you lose weight, right? When in reality, working out and doing everything the trainer says and spending money and, and time on programs and diet will actually probably get you to that goal or at least start to get you somewhere in that progress. I don't know, maybe you lose five pounds or you end up showing up four out of four days a week or something like that. However, 
that outcome will change. And because you didn't learn to focus on the process without outcomes, you will likely go back to the way that you were and fall back to your default setting. So the way you live your life right now, you'll go back to that because you haven't changed the process in which you're living your life. You're just adding an external thing to try to get an outcome for a moment. And then you're not changing the process in which you're living your life. Does that make sense? All right, so let me keep going with this. What does this mean? In my professional opinion, it means two things. These are two trends and patterns that I, after 17 years of coaching, all sorts of people that I've, I've noticed and paid attention to. The first is when you focus on an outcome, you miss all the little goals that build your self-esteem and worth like I just spoke about. And the second is that you deny yourself the opportunity to pay attention to the habits, rituals, behaviors in your life that have led you to your dissatisfaction or stuckness or inability to move forward in the first place. All right. So not setting and working towards process goals will deny you the opportunity to pay attention to why you are where you are in the first place. Anyone can work out hard and diet and lose weight. Anyone, literally anyone can do this. Yes, it will be more difficult for some than others. But there is a there is a formula and a system to get you to lose weight and basically anyone can follow that. However, not everyone can lose weight and keep it off. Keep it off, all right? The reality is that 97% of dieters regain everything they've lost and then some within a three year period. Now, I know this is really hard for a lot of people to actually understand. It took me years of dieting to understand this, years of yo-yo dieting to understand this. And that's why diet culture has such a big grip on our mindset. New diets will come out like a fad diet and everyone who wants to lose weight will think maybe it will work this time. Ooh, I'm going to try that. That sounds good. You know, but it won't unless you change the process in which you live your life forever. And that's where like diet culture really latches on to the whole lifestyle change situation. This is how these are goals related to weight. I know we're weight loss heavy here, but um, because they know that it's the process, but they don't. So they so they say this isn't a diet. It's a lifestyle change. But all of these restrictive things that you're doing, they're not they, they you will not be. They're not sustainable like you. They're unsustainable things, period. <laughs> and that's why they still don't work. All right. So be careful (laughs) with those tricky, sneaky ways that, you know, diet and fitness culture can pull you in and convince you that you should spend your time and energy and money on this. And I'm not saying don't do that. I'm really not. What I'm saying is that if you're not willing to focus on the processes that you're doing right now in your life in order to create... I don't know if you if your goal is weight loss, that means you want to get more healthy in a certain way, shape or form. Health at every size is is my motto. However, um, maybe you should have a look at the things in your life that are maybe contributing unhealthily that you're doing that are unhealthy in your life. I'm going to get I'm going to get back to this. Um, I'm going to get back to this (laughs) because What will work is to take a good hard look at the way you live your life and then focus on goals that are process oriented so you can start building confidence with one little win at a time. All right. This was the fundamental shift I made with my athletes. Okay. Back when I was coaching um, high performance sport. You know, the ones that I said that were the worst in the country when I started coaching them and then they became the best. So I actually worked with this phenomenal doctor of psychology. His name's Dr. Kelly Dell. Now he's been on the show a few times. The episodes are fantastic. And I worked with him for a few years and collectively he taught me and I taught him. um, We worked together to shift the goal setting system entirely. And we did this slowly. It was a slow transitional shift. 
We did this by yes, setting loose outcome goals. But what we did was we changed the way the athletes saw the process and gave them uh, like tangible feel-based goals. Process goals, we kind of changed the name to it to feel-based goals. So instead of asking, what do you want to achieve this year? We asked, how do you want to feel during your competition runs? Instead of asking, what technical skills are your weakness or what do you think is your weakness in the sport? We asked things like, what are some negative thoughts around some of the skills you don't like are? What do they feel like in your body when you are performing them? Instead of asking what technical skills are your strength, we asked, what do you feel most confident during training practice? When do you feel most confident? What skills are you doing when you feel the most confident during your training practices? Do you see the difference? What the feel-based questions did was help the athletes bring their awareness to the joy of life and the joy of doing these skills and learning. And there was less of fear. There was less fear of not achieving these goals. So we, we then literally retaught them how to feel their bodies and check in and, and how their day-to-day choices affected them. So on the dryland side, so the non-technical side, it was reteaching them how to, you know, what sleep felt like, what good quality sleep felt like, nutrition, hydration, strength and conditioning, rest and recovery, those types of things. Now on the technical side, we had to teach them what it actually felt like to jump properly, not what it looked like, because there's a big difference, all right? A lot of people just try to get you to look a certain way, especially in a technical sport that's judged. But instead, we wanted them to feel what the right way felt like to feel it in their bodies, different components, check in and know what like, I don't know, full extension on the trampoline felt like. And we used a video. So we would like video the athletes doing things and ask them yes or no, were you straight? And they would say, a lot of the times they would think that they were straight and we would show them the video and they weren't straight. And they're like, oh shit, I thought I was straight. And there was a disconnect between what they thought they were doing and what they were actually doing. And that translates into day-to-day life right now. Like we, human beings listening to this, we think we are doing something right or in a certain way, but we're really not because we're disconnected to the way that the right way feels. We've never learned the process of what it feels like to uh, lead a uh, healthy lifestyle or, I don't know, a get the job or do the job properly. We've never learned that or been or acknowledged it even. All right. So I can go into a lot of technical jargon when it comes to coaching, freestyle mogul skiing specifically. But my point is that most coaches and most programs and trainers, they don't do this. They focus on looking a certain way to achieve, you know, your performance outcome goal. We focus on, we focused, like my team, we focused on teaching the athletes the process of what it feels like to get there. So there were times when athletes would like ski down in training runs and they would literally already know what I was gonna tell them, which was a magical thing. They knew whether they were accomplishing the skill or not, all right, in many cases. This was amazing. Most coaches don't like that. They don't, they want the the athlete to rely on them to tell them what they're doing wrong. They don't want to give the power to the athlete, right? Now, I have a huge appreciation for when, you know, the student becomes the teacher. I think that's where the control and the power really comes from. We actually empowered the athletes to, uh, to get to increase their skill level and development. We taught them awareness skills and they focused on the process and focused on the feel and the feel brought them into the present moment and the present moment gave them a clear, unwavering sense of control in their development. They learned to take responsibility for their choices. 
They learned how to cope with failure because of this fear-based training. They knew that when they woke up on contest day and checked in, that what they needed to do for themselves in order to get to their ideal performance state because they had paid attention to that during the process of training. You know, I didn't need to tell them, but obviously I was there to support them and help them if there was doubt, but overall they had all the power. And because of this, they excelled. And we put athletes onto the national team year after year after year. It was like this funnel system. And it was just the way that we set goals and the process in which we achieved them. Everyone was teaching the same technical skills. You know, at the end of the day, the judges are looking for one thing and one thing only, you know, and, but how to teach that we did a completely different process and everyone wanted to know the secret. So can you see the power in this goal setting process? Can you, can you feel the difference? Can you hear the difference? There are a ton of moving parts, obviously in high performance sport, but I also completely acknowledge (laughs) that there are a ton of moving parts in life in general, because life is hard. It can be really, 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 really hard and setting goals to better yourself and build confidence or I don't know, achieve something that you really, really want are, can be very hard. Now, if you've done goal setting, you might have heard of like smart goals. Have you heard of that before? This is like a good ish, in my opinion, way to set goals. It's good ish smart. It stands for thing. It stands for, um, Oh, it stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time frame. So a goal anchored within a time frame. So this is like a fine metric, especially for long-term goals. So things that you want to achieve over a long period of time or give yourself a, you know, like a, a, a long-term goal would be um, to, I don't know, while you're in university to like get a master's degree or a doctorate in something like that's going to take you a long time to get that, right? Short-term goals would be like, you know, you even a year can be a short term if you're talking about like a 10 or 20 year process, right? So short term goals are just more like in in your face happening right now, like today sort of thing. However, um, if you instead make those process goals to focus on day to day, so short term, if you want to call them short term, you will give yourself a much higher chance of building and manifesting, meaning pulling in energies and vibrations for the life that you want. For example, let's just say your goal is to save enough money, I don't know, to buy something big. Let's say buy a Range Rover. You want a Range Rover, but things just keep coming up. Your furnace breaks. You didn't get that promotion. Uh, I know you find out you're pregnant. and, and you're not able to save necessarily for that goal. So those are external things that are coming in that might change your mindset to lead you to believe that you'll never be able to get that Range Rover. Now, process goals would be to pay attention to where you're spending money on a day-to-day basis, all right? Not necessarily how much you make. I mean, they will that will be a factor for sure. But maybe you're looking at your day-to-day spending habits. Now, I'm not a financial expert. I'm just trying to use this as an example, okay? But let's just say, um, how much would you save in a year if you canceled things like your Disney Plus, your Apple Plus, and your Crave, and just stuck with, I don't know, one video streaming, Netflix? If you stop buying a coffee at Starbucks every day? If you, instead of uh, every season donating all your clothes to charity, how much would you save or make if you sold them on Facebook Marketplace? All right. If you limited your entertainment budget, if you cooked in more often, those are day-to-day choices that you can make to save you money. All right. And that's the thing. In order to achieve some of those bigger more expensive goals, if you want to call it that, there's always the the side of, of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 
sacrifice, <laughs> that goal sacrifice ratio. It can sometimes, those big goals, setting outcome goals can say, well, I have to sacrifice too much. But really, do you? If you stuck to the process and you just sort of started to save, I mean, that happened to a lot of people when COVID hit. They had to crunch their budgets. They lost their jobs. And I did that. You know what? Even just planting our garden and really taking the time, which I didn't have time, I made time, to nurture and love my garden. We have not not only saved, I don't know, I've, I think after when COVID hit with... Um, my budget, I think I saved over $500 a month. And in investing, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars into our garden, we have saved thousands of dollars for food from June until now. We're still reaping the benefits for food. And food's expensive. You know, so these are choices that we made so that we can save up, we can pay off debt, we can, you know, reach some of the goals that we want financially. It's really interesting how when you put it into perspective like that and people say, oh, it's easy for her. It's actually not easy. I'm just waking up every day and making choices to achieve something that I want. All right. And I am staying in the moment with that and I'm weighing the the sacrifice. It's a it's a it doesn't even feel like a sacrifice anymore because I know the process so well because I have been practicing it for so long. So these are the choices that you are in control of every single day. One of the ladies, I'm gonna give an example, that's on the mastermind call, that was on that mastermind call, um, she had this really interesting goal of working at Disney. She actually really wanted to work at Disney and uh, or for Disney or something like that. and. She said that she had had this goal for a really long time. She like longed to do it. She would see people that worked there and just be so envious of them. And she was really afraid of what her family might think. She was afraid that she wouldn't get the job. She had all of these barriers that were in her way. So she never took one step to even entertain the idea of what it might feel like to have that job. So on, like she never did anything about it. So over time, she actually began to doubt herself and her ability to achieve it. And she never took the steps to build her confidence, you know, those one decisions at a time, one little decision at a time, or get clarity on how this might play out in the first place. She just kind of really wanted to do it, didn't do anything about it. And over time, she's like created this narrative in her mind that she wouldn't be able to do it or that people would think she's a, I don't know, it's not a, presti a prestigious enough job or her family wouldn't let her or whatever. So... What the process, we, we kind of broke it down for her. So what does a process goal look like in this situation? So <laughs> now this is in seven days, we were going to get her to apply. So it, it would take seven days for her to apply. Day one, she was literally going to sit down on her computer and Google how to work for Disney and <clears throat> read a couple of websites jot down some information on how to work for Disney. What is their actual process to get hired? On Tuesday, she was going to revamp or update her CV, so her resume and her cover letter and or her cover letter. Wednesday, she was going to do 20 minutes of grounding self-care. So actually take a break from the whole thing, celebrate her body and just come into her body and feel good about herself. On the fourth day, on Thursday, she was going to make an appointment to speak with a representative at Disney about the possibility of working there and the steps to apply, like finalize that. On Friday, she was gonna budget out what that income might look like for her life. Or right, just see, just to see, play around with the numbers. We gave her like five lines, that was it. It wasn't like this like complex thing of like exact daily things. It was just an overall broad thing so she could have an idea. On Saturday, she was gonna to speak to her family about this opportunity. And then on Sunday, she was gonna submit her resume. All right, so that's what the process is, or it looked like in her situation. In seven days, you can go from one step to the next to the next and then apply. 
And that is what you can control. This will build so much inner trust. I can't, it's going to be exciting. You're going to feel nervous. It's going to feel out of body in some instances, but each time you make a step forward or you make a step towards the outcome, in other words, do the process, you're going to learn so much about yourself. All right, it builds inner trust, especially for those people who are uncomfortable taking action in their life in the first place. This wasn't creating a perfect situation. This was literally taking massive imperfect action. Google, how do I work for Disney? You know, that's massive. You, you have, you like, this is just taking action. And look what you did in seven days. This is huge, so celebrate it. It doesn't matter whether you get the job or not at this point anyways. What matters is that you took action and that is what's going to build confidence. You made choices, you got out of your comfort zone, and in doing that, your confidence and self-esteem will rise. So the process is where the magic happens, like I said. So if you are stuck in that circle of perfectionism, that perfectionism circle of death, <laughs> you you have you can simply do one thing, which is create process goals. Do one thing differently. You need to break your pattern of having that ceiling of perfectionism, that title, that identity, all right? This is, so in doing something different every day, I don't know, start to change up your life a little bit. Set uh, your alarm for super early in the morning one day. I don't know, go for a run instead of going for the to the gym or chug a glass of water instead of taking coffee. Switch things up in your day and pay attention to whether or not that felt good, that did anything. Maybe email your boss about the thing that you've been trying to avoid <laughs> in your workplace. Maybe ask that guy out on a date, right? And I want you to do all of that without any outcome expectation. So whatever happens, it doesn't matter. The What matters is that you pay attention to it. And the point is to break the habit of, I don't know, perfectionism, self-sabotage. Massive imperfect action, taking massive imperfect action is my number one process goal. My number one. I set a ton of little daily goals and reminders every single day. I wake up, I check in. You know, for those of you that have been listening for a long time and have worked with me a little bit, whether it's in free stuff or in my paid programs, you know that I'm really a huge fan of checking in in the morning, scale of one to 10, one being low energy, 10 being high energy, and then making adjustments based on your energy level. You can only do your best if your best is a seven, that is the goal. That's the like that's the goal for today. Accomplish what you can accomplish at a 7. You know, if some days are 10s all the time and then you have to be a 5, you can only do your best. So there's no sense in comparing yourself to those 10 days cuz you're not a 10 right now. All right? This is how I stay true to my word, how I show up for myself. This is how I set those measurable and realistic goals, those smart goals for myself without even knowing it. It's like focusing on the present moment and on the day-to-day -day processes of making choices that are in, a, in alignment with some of my long-term goals. I didn't even realize I had long-term goals because I'm so focused on the process of it and staying connected to, to this moment, you know? I pay attention to my thoughts and patterns and habits around what I've been conditioned to believe and I do my best to show up for myself every day. I practice awareness. And it's sort of crazy to say this, but like, the more aware you become, so the more you practice spiritual awareness, which is the non-judgmental observation of your life, okay? When you observe who you are, what you believe, what you think, the more you do this, the more aware you become, the more you realize that everything is in your control. That's big. Your action and reaction to everything in your life is in your control. You are always okay. You are always moving forward, right? Time continues to move. So this was kind of powerful. This was actually quite powerful. I hope that you really 
started to maybe shift the way that you see goal setting so it's a little bit more tangible, a little bit more within your reach, you, you might be a little bit more inspired to think about what happens between point A and point B. Yes, set a point, set point B, set a linear goal, but understand that in the journey, in the process, you can expand in all directions and open your eyes to the things that are on your left and on your right instead of right in front of you and put your blinders on to the things that are happening in your life because opening up and expanding is where the magic happens and where you really learn about who you are and start to build trust and confidence in your body. So I really like, and the next time you sit down and write out your goals, which I encourage everyone to do, Instead of making choices to achieve an outcome, observe your current behaviors and first choose some small and tangible things that you can do, otherwise known as goals, to shift the way you are currently doing things. This is what we do inside of the Elisa Unfiltered Inner Circle. This is basically in a nutshell with like obvious processes designed specifically to help you get through this and 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 create, you know, those health and wellness and overall for fulfillment goals. This is the foundation of my program. One of the main pillars, the main foundational pillars. In order to be fully focused on the process, you must either unlearn the outcome-oriented ego domination, outcome-oriented goals, I must get this or I am unworthy. You know, I must get this to be happy. I must lose weight to be happy. I must lose weight to feel worthy, those types of things. And or learn what the process feels like so that you can feel in control, honor yourself and make adjustments all on your own. All right, to feel happy and fulfilled in your life in that moment. So if any of this resonates, I would love to know about it. Please leave a written review of this show on Apple Podcasts. You can also DM me on Instagram at, at Elisa Curry Lowitz or shoot me an email at Elisa at elisaunfiltered.com. Now, if you love what you heard and you want to take my hand and take massive imperfect action with me and achieve all your goals from a different perspective for long lasting and benefit driven outcomes, please head over to elisaunfiltered.com and book in an exploratory call with me. Book in, let's chat, let's see if you're a great fit for this coaching program and, and, and move from there. That's one step, that's step one. So if you've wanted to work with a life coach and you've wanted to go through this process but you have those limitations and those fears, step one, <laughs> literally Google, uh, who's a great life coach in my area or even who's a great online life coach. It might not be me. Like you don't have to go to elisaunfilter.com, but that would also be step one. Start to read up, start to see if things resonate and start to work through that process. Sound good? All right. That is all for today. Okay. I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I will give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfiltered.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time. 